Someone spoke to me before the service and said, we've come this morning because we've heard there's a good preacher today. (laughs) I'm really sorry, but he couldn't make it. He asked me to come in his place. But it is lovely to be here because uh, this church and many of you who are here today have been so significant in uh, my uh, Christian journey. And I pray that this church may be equally significant for um, all of you here. As you've uh, worked your way through Paul's letter to the church at Corinth, I'm sure you will have thought a lot about gifts uh, because it crops up quite a lot. Many years ago, uh, when I was a member here, uh, we worked our way in house groups through uh, Paul's letter to the Romans. It was quite challenging because Romans is uh, quite dense and quite closely argued. The group that I was a member of actually got to the end of Romans, whilst I think some others had fallen by the wayside. And one of our uh, members, Herbert Fisher, who some of you will remember, uh, Herbert produced badges for us all to wear. The badges said, we've finished Romans. And I seem to remember that we turned up at church wearing these badges the next Sunday. Well, uh, Paul would have approved of us demonstrating the gift of commitment uh, in working our way through the carefully argued text of his letter, Uh, but he probably would not have approved of us boasting about it. Because Paul talks of us using uh, our gifts, uh, all our gifts, to edify uh, or strengthen or build up the church rather than building up ourselves. And the use of this word gift in the New Testament is one which uh, Paul uses particularly. It's almost exclusively his word. And he doesn't, of course, confine its use to what we might call uh, the charismatic uh, gifts. Uh, Immediately before this passage, he talks about the gifts of faith and hope and love, uh, all of them given to us by the Holy Spirit. But here in this passage, which Janet read, uh, he does talk specifically about prophecy and tongues, or perhaps even prophecy versus tongues. I don't come from a charismatic background, so I have little experience of the benefits to the church of speaking in tongues. I know there are people here who do. And I'm absolutely happy to accept that it is a legitimate gift of the Holy Spirit. But Paul seems to be worried that some people in the church at Corinth may have been using that gift as a way, uh, as a way of displaying spiritual superiority rather than as a way of seeking spiritual unity. I did think of bringing my saxophone this morning and of playing with the worship group. But it would have been too loud and probably in the wrong key. And whilst I may have played some of the right notes, they wouldn't necessarily have been played in the right order. It would have been self-indulgent 
It would not have enhanced our worship or edified or strengthened the church. Paul himself spoke in tongues and he says he would like other people to be able to do so. But unless it's done with someone present who can interpret, it becomes for the benefit of the individual. Verse 5, he says, those who speak in a tongue build up themselves, but those who prophesy build up the church. One who prophesies is greater than one who speaks in tongues, unless, this is the key bit, unless someone interprets so that the church can be built up. So let's move on to prophecy, where I feel uh, rather more at home, because prophecy doesn't only mean uh, foretelling the future, Uh, Prophecy means communicating God's message to people, uh, providing insight, warning, uh, correction, and encouragement. And I do have some experience of that, as do several others here, because that is what preachers try to do on a Sunday morning. Offer God's message to people in ways that are authentic, but understandable and relevant uh, and digestible. But of course, that could still be done for the building up of the preacher and not the church. Some preachers preface their sermon with a prayer uh, based on uh, Psalm 19. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord. You've probably heard uh, preachers pray that prayer. I tend to pray a rather more direct prayer uh, before the service. Lord, if anyone is going to get any credit from what I say today, I want it to be you and not me. Because it's so easy if someone says at the door, oh, preacher, Oh, you were so wise. Oh, you spoke to me so powerfully. Oh, you've said all the right things. To reply, I know. (laughs) Thank you. Actually, preachers don't, people don't often say that, as other preachers will confirm. They more often say, you chose the wrong tune to the third hymn. (laughs) This church uh, used to have a minister... Many of you will remember him, Norman Smith. And uh, Norman was pretty jolly good when it came to preaching. And uh, indeed, it was Norman you have to thank uh, or blame uh, for me uh, standing here today because it was Norman who prompted me to see if I had uh, a gift for it. But if someone said something to Norman after the service that was personally complimentary after a service that Norman had led, he would say, thank you, the devil has already told me that. (laughs) Because he was adamant that anything he should say should be for the building up of the church. And that's how it should be uh, for us, with anything we do for the church. There was a Christian theologian called Harry Emerson Fosdick. 
He was the founding minister of a Riverside Church in New York, a famous church. And he was, Harry Emerson Fosdick was regarded by Martin Luther King as the greatest preacher of the last century. So he must have been quite good. And uh, Harry Fosdick said that a preacher's main business should be to throw some light on a problem that exists in the lives of members of the congregation. And that is what Paul is doing in this uh, passage of his letter and what he does in many of his letters. There's a problem in the church uh, at Corinth. Instead of unifying the church, the use of gifts is splitting it. Uh, They have become a symbol of power, uh, with some people being thought of as uh, more spiritual than others. The church I attend now at Hassocks had a gift weekend recently. Uh, We want to improve the premises, partly for our own benefit, but also for the benefit of the uh, many community groups that use them. And as part of the gift weekend, people uh, were invited to display some of their gifts. Uh, And I did play my saxophone uh, in a little trio. I played with John, a pianist who is blind. And for John, that was great because he hadn't used his gift in that way before and he has since played at a Sunday service and if John plays it's not only his music that is helpful in worship but his playing is hugely encouraging to other people uh, in the sense of overcoming obstacles in life. Other people displayed all sorts of gifts that we never knew they had. Some showed their expertise at knitting. And people are now knitting hats and scarves like crazy for the homeless shelter in Brighton. But uh, one result uh, was unexpected because these gifts were demonstrated as part of the gift weekend. They have helped to uh, build up the church as Paul says, our gifts should. And I know that you have many such gifts here. I know you have singers and you have artists. um, But there are probably some other gifts among the congregation here that would surprise us all if we knew about them. I chose the Old Testament passage uh, about the Lord speaking to Samuel uh, because of the word of context in verse 1. And it's so important to understand context when we read the Bible. If you go back and read that passage in 1 Corinthians 11 about men needing to have short hair and women needing to have long hair, uh, the one I referred to earlier, do read it with a commentary because then you'll understand the context in which um, Paul said that. Anyway, uh, verse 1 of the Samuel reading Uh, gives us some context. It says, uh, in those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. I think some translations say there was no widespread revelation. Although God had spoken directly with Moses, uh, God's word had since become rare. 
Why was that? Well, it seems that at that time there weren't many prophets prepared to speak the word of God. And it seems fewer people uh, had a regard for God. Among them, uh, Eli's own sons. If you read back, you'll discover that. And I guess we live at a time when the word of God is rare. There are fewer ministers and lay preachers, for instance, available to lead Sunday services. And we also live in a time when fewer people attend church, fewer people testify to their faith. And you don't have to be a prophet or a preacher to do that. And you don't have to do it in words because our actions count too. The passage continues with Samuel hearing from God, but having to be helped by Eli to understand that it is God. Uh, And of God telling of something that will, verse 11, make the ears of everyone who hears it tingle. That's not a very biblical word, is it? Tingle. But it is an exciting word. It's a sort of tingly word, isn't it? God has a warning for Israel of what will happen because Israel has disregarded him. Well, uh, some may want to focus upon the threat of God's punishment. Uh, I would prefer to focus upon God being a God of love, a God of care, and a God of encouragement. In the passage uh, you studied last week, Paul talks of the range of gifts God gives us. We can't all be prophets or preachers. We can't all speak in tongues. Um, But he says, uh, chapter 12, verse 31, we should eagerly desire the greater gifts. And the greater gifts are those that are most uh, beneficial to the body of Christ. So the challenge for us, and you've probably heard this said already in this series, because the challenge for us is to see that we have a to see if we have a gift that can be used in serving God and enhancing the church. I had a dear friend called Frida. I may have mentioned Frida here before, because Frida had a big impact on me. Frida was completely immobilized with multiple sclerosis. She could do nothing for herself. But when I visited Frida, she never, ever wanted to talk about that. She wanted to talk about what I was doing, new challenges I had taken on. And she used to say, I think you'd be good at that, Stuart. When Frida died... I was asked if I would take her funeral. And my first reaction was, I can't do that. I've never done that. And then I heard Frida saying, I think you'd be quite good at that, Stuart. So we may be able to speak in tongues. Uh, We may be able to prophesy and preach. But we can all use our gift of encouraging one another. And in doing so, we can help build up the body of Christ.